It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by Ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. I'm DJ Scruggs, along with Adam Adams. Hey, everyone. Hey, Adam. So today, we're going to be talking with someone who um, who does something that we, I don't think we've talked to anyone before who does this, which is node investing. So let's say hello to uh, Lindsay Gordon. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, how are you? We are awesome. It sounds like uh, wherever you are is sunny. <laughs> yeah, I'm outside in Puerto Rico. Oh, nice. Nice. So um, yeah, why don't you tell us, uh, Lindsay, a little bit about kind of how you got into real estate in the first place or, or this particular type of investing that you do? I got into buying non-performing second mortgages through... Originally, I was buying residential housing throughout the Philadelphia area. Mm-hmm. I was fixing up houses and uh, flipping them, and I was uh, fixing up houses to rent them out in Philadelphia. And it seemed like quite a bit of work. And we <laughs> yes. were meeting with other people that were buying uh, non-performing second mortgages, and they were telling us the returns that they were getting on them. And we thought it was just too good to be true, but we figured we'd have to test it out to see. And so... Uh, we transitioned from buying just regular residential properties into buying the actual note and becoming the mortgage holder. And you said non-performing second mortgages. Yes. How, we, how did you pick that? I mean, yeah. As opposed to first mortgages or other types of notes. We actually, there was a group that was in our local area that was holding meetings and they were specifically trying to build an audience of non-performing second mortgage buyers. So that was how I fell into that. And then um, when we looked at the first mortgages versus the second mortgages, we found that the return was higher on second mortgages. So we felt that that was a good niche to get into. And uh, that's what we started with. So how is the return better with second notes and why? And why is it better? Well, historically, we're able to pay a lot less for the asset. So that just is that's why we can get a higher return on the investment because it's looked at as a bit of a more riskier asset. But overall, our returns are usually about double what first mortgage buyers are getting. So, uh, yeah, it just it's just a lower purchase price, higher risk reward. Perfect. So so. So th- it is a little bit more risky, you said. It, it, what um, what it's, makes it's it risky? It's looked at as more risky. What make or okay? So it's not more risky, or and if it is, if what makes it? Diversify. Um, if you diversify your portfolio across many assets, I feel like that I'd rather take the bet on ten second mortgages than one first for that same amount of money hmm. because you could you could encounter a problem with that one first mortgage that causes you not to make money or to delay being uh, money being made whereas with the seconds you do encounter that maybe more frequently but you have 10 of them and so if only a couple you have an issue with mm-hmm. you're going to make money and start making money quicker on the rest Interesting. And so how, where, where do you go find these? I mean, you mentioned you went to a group. Is there like a site where you can buy these or is it face-to-face? You talk to people in, in debt or what? Yeah, we actually purchased directly from large banks and um, 
large financial institutions that are selling non-performing second mortgages. Uh, and then the smaller investor, they would talk to someone like us who is selling the non-performing second mortgages. And, and what's the size of these? I mean, how big are these second mortgages? Like, is it $10,000, $20,000, They They vary, but we find on average that the unpaid balance is anywhere from 20000 to about 80000 Now, what, you, what would you pay if you were doing non-performing first mortgages versus these non-performing second? What do you pay, you know, pennies on the dollar? How much typically? Um, for, are you, are you talking like about, um, as a larger institution, you can pay maybe 10 to 20 cents on the dollar, um, for seconds. But if you're buying them like one at a time in very specific situations, you might be paying 20 to 60 cents for non-performing seconds. Okay. So for a non-performing second, it's 10 to 20 cents on the dollar if you're a big enough institution to be able to buy in bulk. If you were buying non-performing yeah. first mortgages, what then would be the UPB percentage? I would, I actually am not sure off the top okay. of my head. Uh, we only bought one trade of first and that was about four years ago. Okay. Okay. And so, but I would imagine you're paying, um, maybe I upwards to 80 cents. 90 cents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. because they would have the option of foreclosing instead, I would think. And so it's, it's a, the, the bank has more options there, I guess you could say. So would you, so what happens once you get this? So it's non-performing, you've bought it for, let's say, 60 cents on the dollar. Then what happens? Well, we actually, we begin the foreclosure process. The second okay. mortgage has all of the same rights as a first mortgage. It's just in second position. Mm -hmm. So we would begin the foreclosure process and um, we would, in turn, we're trying to get a hold of the borrower. We're making contact with them, trying to work out a situation that works for them. A lot of times we will specifically target mortgages to foreclose on where they're paying their first mortgage mm -hmm. and they're not paying the second mortgage. So we find that they want to stay in the house in those situations. Mm -hmm. So then it's just us trying to figure out at what amount of money per month is it affordable for that person to stay in the house. Wow. And so do you, do you just uh, basically renegotiate what the loan terms are? So if they had you know, let's say uh, $50,000 and they were paying, uh, I don't know what's a typical second these days, five or 6%. And, and do you say, okay, now the new value is actually 25,000, but you're paying 8%. I mean, is, is that kind of the way you do the math on it? No. Um, we typically, when we're looking at a mortgage, we don't typically, I don't at least, I mean, anyone, you can pretty much write the terms however you want, mm -hmm. but I look at coming up with a monthly payment that's the highest that they can actually afford that mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not going to have to talk to them again about. Right. Um, so something I feel comfortable with, but the higher the monthly payment, the better the price you can get for a performing loan. Mm -hmm. So I always try to get a higher monthly payment. And then um, I try to get money up front as well. Mm -hmm. And especially if there's legal fees, I require money up front. What's the calculation here? So you buy it. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're trying to get the highest payment 
you can for it. But is there a target return you're looking for there? I mean, are you looking? I mean, I think, I think that's what I'm really trying to get at. Is you say these are higher returns, but w- what does that mean? Is it are you making 10% on your money, 20% on your money, 100% on your money? I mean, th- I think that's what I'm truly trying to understand. We aim as a fund to get 30% uh, yield on our money. Uh, but on each specific note, it might be more of a 100% return. Um, mm-hmm. It just, you might lose a couple here and there or have higher fees. So uh, we just, we do aim to get 30 to 50% if we can. Um, but I don't look at it that way when I talk to the borrower, because if I do, then I'll have issues later on. I have to look at it solely as to what the borrower can afford and how is it going to benefit them and us. Otherwise, it won't work. Yeah. And so when you're selecting these seconds to buy, then are you do you have much information about the borrower? I mean, do you see their or it seems like you said that they're they're performing on their first but not on their second. Is that information available to you when you're looking at these? Yeah, we pull um, credit data on the borrower and we look more, the, the value of the house is important to us, but we look actually more at the borrower themselves mm-hmm. when we're buying the loans. And then also when we're working it out, um, it's all about what the borrower can afford, what other debt they have, what other bills they have. So it's just like, it's more of a credit profile and it's more of like a debt collection um, type of recovery than it is of a real estate recovery. Not to say that it doesn't turn into a real estate recovery sometimes. I'm selling a house, sold a house in Georgia last week and I'm selling a house in Arizona um, two weeks from now. So it depends on what the borrower can afford and the market right now for real estate is good. So if the borrower can't uh, afford to make payments or they can't come to the money to they can't come up with the money to satisfy mm-hmm. the loan, then we can also just take the house back and sell it as well and collect the profits on that end. What other exit strategies are there? Earlier, you mentioned that you were making a loan reperform. Are, are you sometimes selling those notes off once you turn them into a reperforming note? Yes, uh, we have. There's a bunch of exit strategies. So. Um, and it depends on the company and the person and what they're looking to do. Uh, so you can you can get a note non-performing and you can get them to satisfy or pay it off. You could get them to do a short sale. You could get them to, they might not respond. You might end up having to foreclose and then sell the asset after foreclosure. Uh, you might have to foreclose and then you might have to rent the property out and just try to recoup some capital. Uh, you might have to um, foreclose and then even do like a land contract with the borrower if you mm-hmm. want to let them stay in the home hmm. and make payments like they would in a modification. And then um, once you have a performing loan, you can then keep it as performing or you could decide to sell it as a performing loan to investors who want to make just passive income a lot of times in their IRA or something like that. Lindsay, let me ask you, how do you pay for all of these notes? Um, You mentioned uh, a fund. Is this uh, a fund that you've created where you pull in investors who are, and then everybody buys it together with you in charge or how do you do this? 
Well, it depends on the size of the deal and the situation. Um, in the past, we've had a fund. Um, so I, I call it ourselves a fund. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not a bank. Um, so we have we have a fund. Um, but right now, it's just our money. Just cash. It's all it's all cash that you need to buy notes. So you're not getting you're not getting a bank loan or anything right. like that typically. All right. Do you have any more questions? No, I don't. Um, this has been really fascinating. I did. I, I you know I've heard of note investing before, but I don't really know much about it. So it's it's always fascinating to hear someone who's figured out a way to make money doing it. Yeah, thank you for your time. Do you have any other information that you think we missed that you that the listeners need to know if they're going to get into this? Um, just a, maybe a few uh, clarifications. With um, there's definitely some legal implications of, of collecting debt and uh, dealing with mortgages. So um, to understand that there is the CFPB. Uh, involved heavily in debt collection and that they need to consult with lawyers and handling foreclosures that know what they're doing. And it's just very important to deal with people that know the law and know what's going on through all steps of the process. I've, I've studied uh, all of the laws for about six or seven years, but if you're new to it, you're going to have to really be trusting the lawyers that are guiding you through the process. So it's very okay. important to understand there are definitely risks involved and to understand how to to protect yourself from those risks for your investment. Do you have any resources for people uh, or how would they get a hold of you for more questions? If uh, they could email me at lborden at silverbaycapital.com. And um, we, our, our website is silverbaycapital.com if they want to check out uh, the website. But for most information or any questions, uh, they can just uh, contact me directly there. And um, if, they're, if they're interested in purchasing non-performing second mortgages, that would be great. Awesome. Terrific. Well, thanks a lot for your time, uh, Lindsay. This has been really informative. I'm jealous that you're uh, out of the country and having fun and <laughs> being able to be in a tank top and seeing the wind blow. Uh, I'm jealous. It's cold out here uh, in Denver. So I'm just I'm just working. This is my home. This is my home. So I'm not I'm not on vacation. Don't oh. worry. <laughs> I've been working for about 23 days straight. Wow. Uh, so I'm ho- I'm hoping for a vacation in a couple weeks. Thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.